Euronet Plus Panorama is a weekly review of European news broadcast by our network of EU radio stations. Welcome back to Euronet Plus Panorama. Last week in Strasbourg, the European Parliament made progress in two key policy areas, artificial intelligence and violence against women. On Thursday the 11th of May, the European Parliament's Internal Market and Civil Liberties Committees adopted a negotiating position on the first-ever rules for artificial intelligence within the EU. The Draft AI Act, a groundbreaking piece of legislation in terms of the broad approach it takes, sets out rules and guidelines for the responsible development and use of AI technologies across sectors. The draft legislation bans AI systems that manipulate human behaviour and exploit the vulnerabilities of specific individuals or groups. It takes a risk-based approach to AI technology, including by radically restricting their use for real-time biometric recognition in public spaces. Developers and providers of AI systems will also be required to provide clear and understandable information about the capabilities and limitations of their AI systems. In addition, MEPs will work to ensure that AI systems used in high-risk sectors such as healthcare, security and the environment are subject to rigorous risk assessments. And last but not least, the draft law covers the use of AI to influence voters in political campaigns. Before talks can begin with the Council, this negotiating mandate needs to be endorsed by the whole Parliament, with a vote expected to take place during the June plenary. The release of powerful AI chatbot ChatGPT at the end of last year has sparked a renewed wave of discussion and concern about artificial intelligence. Last month, as she presented the Commission's new digital skills strategy, Digital Commissioner Margreta Vestager explained why this revolutionary software package is ruffling so many feathers. Her comments are shared by German broadcaster AMS. It's very interesting to see the reactions to chat GPT, and it's interesting because artificial intelligence have already been around for quite some time. What is new is that we literally has it available at the fingertips for everyone. And I think that has been kind of a wake-up call that, oh, it's here, it's really here. Yet, at an event hosted by Ideas NCBR, a recently created Polish government-funded R&D centre focused on AI and the digital economy, Research group leader Tomasz Trzyzinski told a journalist from Polski Radio that the risks of artificial intelligence are often overplayed and that society will ultimately serve as a limiting force. We see a lot of hype around generative AI, a lot of use cases that have potential, but a reality will verify if they really hit the, the market, if they're really acceptable by the users. The threat is obvious uh, that at some point we may need to rethink what's happening in our lives. Is it going to destroy humanity? Is it going to change, you know, the labor market drastically? I think it's going to be evolutionary and I think we're going to adapt as humans as we adapted to combustion engines and other revolutionary technologies. I think the biggest danger comes from monopolization of the knowledge and access to data and models by, you know, big corporations and uh, single entities rather than how people use it in everyday basis. And this, Vestager told a press conference in Riga last week, is why regulation is so important. Latvia's radio reports. 
we cannot do with a decentralized approach where some is doing a lot and others are doing very little. We need to approach artificial intelligence as a union. There is so many good uses of AI, but we can only get the good of AI if we can get in control of the dark side of AI. And artificial intelligence may risk that human prejudice, human bias, becomes pervasive in our systems. So where there is a risk of people being discriminated, we need real guardrails so that it doesn't happen. So we have societal discussions about how to embrace it while at the same time being critical about it. And of course, to stay vigilant to see if we have holes in our regulation where our democracy needs to step in. Our education system really needs to get on board in promoting these societal discussions and critical thinking going forward, highlights Tomasz Trudzinski. The way that we are educated right now in schools is mostly by reading and accepting what's being served to us. I think the skills that children are well required or should be required to develop are these critical thinking approaches where you actually question what's, uh, what's been served. You find multiple sources to confirm whether what you've read is true. And, well, maybe not, not to believe that much as much as just, uh, you know, find your own way to figure out what's factual and what's not. That's a skill. That's something we haven't been trained to. But that's something that I believe is going to become even more important in the future. Last Wednesday, the 10th of May, the European Parliament finally approved the EU's accession to the 2014 Istanbul Convention, a.k.a. the Council of Europe Convention on Preventing and Combating Violence Against Women and Domestic Violence. The European Council still needs to ratify the Convention, the first legally binding international instrument in this field, for the Union's accession to be formalised. This decision does not require unanimity, but can be taken by qualified majority. Meanwhile, individual countries must ratify the convention separately. While all EU member states have signed it, Lithuania is one of six, together with Bulgaria, Hungary, Latvia, Slovakia and the Czech Republic, that have not yet ratified it. Rugila Budkevičiute, a Lithuanian lawyer specialising in domestic violence cases, tells Jinyu Radias that Lithuanian legislation currently fails to acknowledge the unique nature of domestic violence by equating it with more public crimes such as muggings. If we do not acknowledge the unique underlying causes of domestic violence, she says, we will only perpetuate the problem. The root of this problem still lies in the unequal power dynamics perpetuated by gender stereotypes and gender inequality. The societal expectations imposed on women and men shape power imbalances within relationships and contribute to a culture of violence that perpetuates abuse. Indeed, Budkevičiute believes that the Istanbul Convention's greatest significance lies in its ability to shine a light on the causes of domestic violence. And although the European Parliament's ratification of the Convention does not force member states to follow suit, it will certainly encourage them to do so. The European Parliament itself is saying, here we are, we agree that this is the most progressive and effective tool currently available to address the complex issues surrounding domestic violence. It's true that the Parliament's ratification of the Convention does not mean that it will be automatically ratified in Lithuania. 
So what does it mean? It means that the European Union, within its sphere of competence, commits to implementing the Convention. Talks, for example, are underway regarding a violence directive. Indeed, there is a great deal of discussion about this. In the event that a directive or other binding legal act were to be adopted, it would also need to be incorporated into the Lithuanian legal system. By approving the ratification of the Convention, the European Parliament is seeking to facilitate a comprehensive ratification process across the EU. For its part, Bulgaria refused to ratify the Istanbul Convention five years ago, after two parties on either side of the political spectrum presented the text as a conduit for promoting gay marriage and a so-called third sex. In fact, the legal recognition of same-sex unions falls entirely outside the scope of the Convention. Neither does it seek to change the biological definition of sex. In the Council of Europe's own words, taken from its website, under the Convention, the use of the term gender aims to acknowledge how harmful attitudes and perceptions about roles and behaviour expected of women in society play a role in perpetuating violence against women. Such terminology does not replace the biological definition of sex, nor those of women and men, but aims to stress how much inequalities, stereotypes and violence do not originate from biological differences, but from harmful preconceptions about women's attributes or roles. Yet despite the facts, says BNR, a powerful disinformation campaign spread like wildfire through both social and traditional media in Bulgaria. Ultimately, Bulgaria's constitutional court ruled out ratification of the convention. BNR has spoken to Zlatimir Kolarov, a medical doctor and, as one of Bulgaria's most prominent writers, also chair of the Association of Physician Novelists and Writers. He has been fighting, so far in vain, to counter the misleading propaganda surrounding the convention. I've read the Istanbul Convention twice in Bulgarian translation in order to be sure and nowhere does it talk about a third gender. None of those speaking out have read it. They should be ashamed of themselves. They were professors, academics, writers, all sorts of people talking like this. It is well known that in English sex and gender are often synonymous. And in the convention it simply says that sex, or gender, is a mixture of the physiological, psychological, emotional, intellectual, indeed any sense of belonging as individual communities see it. Nothing more than this. Nowhere is there any talk of so-called third gender, or all that other nonsense that was bandied about. And as chair of the Association of Physicians, Novelists and Writers, I went public and put this in writing. Comments and mud rained down on me for saying the words. But I said, read my colleagues, read. Nobody had read it. The convention very clearly distinguishes between different forms of violence. It has been accepted, even by conservative countries like Turkey, Poland and Italy. Bulgaria is lagging behind, and to wash away this stain we must accept it, ratify it. In fact, in July 2020, the Polish government announced its intention to withdraw from the convention, but this decision has not yet been enacted. To mark Europe Day on the 9th of May, German Chancellor Olaf Scholz gave a This is Europe address in the European Parliament. In it, he said that he wanted an enlarged Europe, but that reform needed to come first. Some observers have interpreted this as a warning, in particular to Ukraine, 
that it still has a while to wait. An honest enlargement policy means fulfilling our promises, especially vis-à-vis -vis the Western Balkan countries, to whom we signalled that accession was possible as much as 20 years ago. Of course, progress must also be rewarded by us, otherwise the enlargement policy will lose its appeal, and the EU will lose its influence and its draw. And in all honesty, we have to admit that an enlarged EU must be a reformed EU. That said, enlargement should not be our sole reason for reform, but rather the arrival point of our reforms. In an interview with Belgian broadcaster RTBF, Portuguese MEP José Manuel Fernandes from the EPP group explains why many Europeans are so cautious about accelerating the enlargement process. But he thinks that we should not be afraid to push ahead. Of course, enlarging the EU is a challenge. It is a challenge in terms of the architecture of the European Union, a challenge even in budgetary terms. But some people are afraid. It's fear in the case of Emmanuel Macron, for the common agricultural policy and for agriculture, because Ukraine is a large power here. Others, like the Portuguese Prime Minister, Antonio Costa, are afraid in terms of cohesion funds. We must not be afraid, because peace is a fundamental value and because Ukraine has a lot to give and contribute. We cannot see, as many people do, the European Union from a nationalistic and selfish perspective. L'Union européenne dans une perspective nationaliste et égoïste. Thanks for listening. Join us again next week for more insight into the news as reported from around the EU. Mm -hmm.